0: Hello, and welcome to A Couple of Goons. I am Walter Hickey. Uh, joining me, as always, the co-podcaster is Neil Payne. How's it hey going, all. Neil? What's on? It's
1: in? good. I'm ready for some playoff action. We've been uh, going through the... Not the doldrums of the regular season, because there have been some open playoff uh, seedings and and, uh, positionings that we needed to know about, but we're about to get to the real nitty-gritty, no relation to the Flyers mascot, who (laughs) we will not be seeing in the playoffs.
0: No, actually, nitty-gritty is, in fact, a relation. It is the cousin of Gritty. Yeah, who would nitty-gritty be the (laughs) the mascot of? (laughs) It's, is this like a Scrappy Doo situation? It's definitely a Scrappy Doo situation, but he's just extremely pedantic. Is his main affectation? So, yeah. um, actually, yeah, that type so, of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely represents somebody. Maybe the concept of hockey analytics. I don't know, but either way, Ooh, I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, anyway, so it is the uh, it is the good times. Like it has been weird times lately. It has been kind of. Almost garbage timey is that rude to say or is that accurate to say? Uh for
1: some teams and for some other teams it has definitely not been like uh there were some moments late in the you know the past couple of weeks where we saw like the Panthers played their way into the playoffs basically and now the Penguins are out for the first time since I want to say 2006. We will we will get neither Sidney Crosby nor Alex Ovechkin in the playoffs, which is a very uh era ending I don't want to say end of an era because those guys will be back they'll do their thing Ovi will probably break Gretzky's record and so forth but uh, it does feel significant as a signpost in league history that both of the guys that sort of led the league out of the incident which shall not be named uh, are now out of the playoffs and we've got this new crop of teams so for that you know and there will probably be a lot of recriminations about the Penguins because they were in a position where I think their playoff odds like a month ago were, let's actually look at this because this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, they had a 77% chance to make the playoffs a month ago and ultimately they're not in. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk around uh, that and, 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 for some other teams that missed the playoffs as well, but it's it's exciting extre- times for other teams that did make them.
0: It's an extremely exciting time to be a like talk radio host in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no,
1: that's true. You can really fire off all of your like buried deep down takes that you want to. Although I think it's an exciting time to be a talk radio host in New York as well, because you got the Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils in the playoffs. Uh, I, you know, probably for the first time in a while, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's weird that, like, it does really seem like hockey is currently New York's best sport, and it's not super close. (laughs) Although, you know, football had a little bit of a renaissance last year, you know,
1: especially before the Jets just completely fell in the tank at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, So, and, and, you know, baseball, like, you've got two of the most expensive teams on the planet uh, playing. And somehow the Yankees are not number one among those. Um, so I, I think New York sports might be uh, making a, a comeback bid, but I do think, and there was a, uh, what is it? First take segment where they asked which New York team, this was like a few months ago, which New York team was going to be the first to win the state, uh, to win a championship next. Mm. Uh, and people were thrown out like, Hey, how about the Knicks? How about the nets? You know, this was before, the KD trade, I want to say. Uh, or how about the Jets and Giants? You know, Jets get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that'll happen. And somebody had the temerity to say, hey, the Rangers, which I think is probably the correct answer. And right. Stephen A. Smith was like, with all due respect, no one cares about hockey. And and that went viral for <laughs> for like a that. hot second. And it was like, okay, Stephen A, first of all, Uh, your own network paid a lot of money to carry hockey games. You should like, you know, think uh, before you say that type of thing. But I do think the Rangers are the, are probably the correct answer. Uh, But I'll be curious to see how that plays out for them, which is going to be one of the things we'll unpack in this episode, because we've got that New York area head to head with the devils
0: and Rangers in the first round. It's exciting. It's going to be really exciting. They just got to cross the river a few times to figure this one out. It's, It's the Path Train series, not the Subway series. The Path Train series. I
1: like that. I'm I'm sure someone has either coined that or will will coin that.
0: See, the problem is is that nobody in New York knows what the Path Train is. The only reason I know what the Path Train is is because I lived in Jersey City for like uh, four years. I remember Um, that. Amazing town, good time. And I still got friends over there, so I still take it. But if I say the path train to people, they make it sound like I have six heads. Like (laughs) many do not know that it exists.
1: Yeah, you know, it's Port Authority. Uh, you usually associate port authority with the world's worst train uh, or uh, bus station in times square uh but they also have trains as well
0: yeah um they do they don't do great things with them but they do do things with them <laughs> like um but yeah so the path train series which i'm sure will be leading the star ledger but not the daily news uh is, yeah. uh, is coming up what do you, so do you want to kind of go through what our first round looks like uh yeah, okay. but we could we could just
1: unpack uh maybe the Eastern Conference uh and then and then move on to the West. So, uh in the East, the, we got the Bruins going up against the Panthers. This one is interesting just in the sense that the Bruins are coming off of this ridiculous season which we've talked about on the show. They went on to actually set the record and like kind of blow away the old record for most wins in a season record for most points in a season. I mean, this is like one of the most dominant teams in sports history, much less hockey history. And the thing about hockey, though, is in the playoffs, the slate gets wiped clean. And yeah, you get home ice advantage throughout if you win the President's Trophy. But we've talked about the curse of the President's Trophy before as well. So I think the Bruins are a little bit on edge thinking about this idea of like, now this there's a ton of pressure. Like you've had this really fun, dominating regular season uh, where you could afford to drop a few games, but you played loose and you won way more than you lost. But now you can't really afford to to let up. Now you've you have to power through, and and it's almost like Stanley Cup or bust after this type of season. But hockey doesn't really work that way. And the Panthers are really I, I don't know what to make of them. They had that uh, late season surge, which really looked more like the Panthers that we saw last year. And the Panthers last year won the president's trophy and then lost in a sweep in the second round uh, to further confirm the curse of the president's trophy. But they were a team that was like way better in the second half than in the first half. And I still don't think they're like, as good as they were last year and how good they were last year was not good enough to make it, uh, that far in the playoffs, but you could kind of maybe see this team giving the Bruins trouble, but I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's sort of just base any, any pick of Florida to even potentially contend in
0: this series just rests on almost like superstition. I feel like. Yeah. And listen, as you and I, you know, we both devoted our careers to the, analysis the sobriety analysis of i thought you're gonna of, say to the dark arts but okay well, but no i was just gonna say like analytics like we we care what matters we care in that kind of stuff and i think that you and i both agree that curses are definitely real and yes. that they absolutely exist and that there's that uh, are, are, are any stats that we possess to to counter them is is merely uh, uh, cold comfort in the night in light of the uh, incomparable power of the supernatural that as it affects <laughs> sports and life and the rest of it No. yeah well when you do lose and i should say you know i did a
1: thing at uh my sub stack about the uh curse of the president's trophy and sort of looking at like Is it really that much of a curse or is it just sort of like in hockey stuff happens? And I did find that over the history of the President's Trophy, which goes back to 1986, that winners of the President's Trophy have won eight Stanley Cups in 36 tries, which is only 22% of the time. However... If you built a regression model that predicted each team's odds of winning the cup based on their Elo rating, and then looked at the teams that won the President's Trophy, this is just just looking at regular season. You would expect those teams to win only 23% of the time. So it's it's like a less than a one percentage point difference between the two, uh, like expected versus actual success rate, which would seem to suggest there's not a curse of the President's Trophy. It's really just like Good hockey teams lose way more than they win, and that's just a fact of a sport where yeah. uh, it's a piece of rubber bouncing and an irregularly <laughs> shaped piece of rubber bouncing around on literal ice. But I will say that in recent years, you could make a stronger case for the curse because no President Trophy winner has won the Stanley Cup since the Blackhawks in 2013, and that's about a two Stanley Cup shortfall compared to what we would expect based on their like underlying odds of winning the cup so if you were inclined to think that there was a curse then you could look at recent years and you could even go back to 2003 because only two president's trophy winners have won the cup since then uh, as well and say like okay we're in like a 20-year curse but before that the 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 cup winners were actually running at a pretty decent surplus which i think is funny because the idea of the presidents trophy curse predates that span of time so i i remember people talking about this in like the late 90s or like 2000 like the st louis blues had this great year and then they got knocked out in the playoffs and people were like is there a curse associated with this it also does not help that in the very first season that they gave out the presidents trophy the Edmonton Oilers, with our friend Wayne Gretzky, won the President's Trophy, and they were looking like a dynasty, but they lost in Game 7 against their most bitter rivals, the Calgary Flames, when their defenseman. In the closing minutes of a tie game, banked the puck off his own goalie's skate in into the net for an own goal to have them lose. So that's sort of the, the inauspicious start that the President's Trophy had. And I think maybe that went a long way toward sort of like setting up this narrative of the curse that then every time a team loses in embarrassing fashion, like the 2019 lightning got swept in the first round after tying the record for wins, you know, and if the Bruins lose this year, you know, relatively early, I think people will point to it, but it's like, you know, we're confirming this narrative that we've already kind of set in motion because of some uh, freakish events that have happened, but events that were not totally representative of, of like the whole success rate of, of this particular group of teams.
0: Yeah, you had that really good analysis over at NeilPayne.substack.com. dot that substack dot com. That's right. Check out and uh I enjoyed it a lot. It was good. I also did some reporting on my own into the Curse of the President's Trophy, which was oh, really? in fact a Scooby-Doo episode from the early 1970s. And it actually turns out that it was just old man Gordy trying to scare mm. successful teams off of his, uh, his trophy. So, they, yeah. they
1: pulled the mask off the trophy and it was actually Gordy underneath.
0: Exactly. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, totally. You would think it would be a goalie because they pulled the mask off, but it wasn't. Ooh, it, yeah, yeah so. that's right. Yeah. Well, as long
1: as it wasn't coming from an episode of Velma. Then I think we're okay.
0: Yes, Velma <laughs> universally despised. <laughs> Much like winning
1: the president's trophy, it's it's sort of a superstitious thing. We don't we don't touch the president's trophy, and we don't watch Velma. Nope, we do not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's move on uh, to uh, another uh, first round series. We got these series between. Um, the top, uh, so the Bruins are the top seed in the East, and then the next best seed is the Carolina Hurricanes. They're going to play the best wild card team, which is the New York Islanders, and that's another one where Carolina is a team that I think they were better last year than they are this year, but uh, in in terms of the sort of overall statistical picture of them, uh, but they're still a team that. I think are going to be a sexy pick for, you know, going deep into the playoffs. It feels like they're due in some ways, you know, they've been knocking on the door of having a, a deep run. Uh, mainly the big question that I was thinking about for them is their offense, because they've been kind of an average offense and they've really gotten by on just having a suffocating defense, suffocating penalty kill, you know, pretty decent goaltending and really a question of whether they can succeed you know, by get enough scoring in the playoffs and then just play this like defensive style at a time in which, you know, NHL scoring was as high this year as it's been in like 30 some odd years. So can this type of team win in the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that, overall but it does seem like you know they're pretty clear favorites over the islanders who like i got nothing against the islanders good on them for you know kind of rebuilding on the fly and putting together a a pretty good season but um yeah you know i don't know that there's a whole lot to commend them for pulling off an upset because they have the same problems that carolina does it's just magnified they can't score and you know very important it is important to try to score, uh, but, you know, and they they added some pieces at the trade deadline to try to address that, but I don't know if they totally did enough for that. So I'm going with Carolina. I know you're a big Carolina fan anyway. I mean, we both are yeah. when it comes to – I um, saw them this year. They're, they're, they're
0: fun to watch. They're a good time. Yeah. The, ex, the ex-whalers. The ex-whalers. Yeah. Yes, whalers who found a different occupation being large circular storms.
1: <laughs> I think that's probably a good career move. It seems like it has more, um, you know, you can make more of an impact that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just running down the list again, we got to talk about the, you know, the path train series, the devils and the Rangers. I mean, this feels like it's going to be the best series of the first round. Um, certainly in the Eastern conference. Um, and I, I, don't know who should be favored because there's a lot of arguments you could make. Like the devils had a better goal differential uh, on the season. And they were actually, I think they were third in goal differential overall in the league, which is like really impressive, super young team, really exciting, you know, explosive type of team. And you normally would love to see a team like this kind of get, Maybe maybe one of the weaker opponents in the first round get their toes wet because it's the first time that this configuration of the Devils has been to the playoffs. Uh, and really only the second time they've been to the playoffs in like a decade, uh, I want to say. And so, you know, get that experience in. Instead, they're getting thrown into the deep end of the pool immediately against this Rangers team that I wrote about when we did Terrence Doyle and I did our um, preview uh, of the playoffs at 538. We talked about how the Rangers are a team that they don't have really any obvious flaws, which is sort of an interesting um, state for them to be in because they are playing this Devils team that you could make a lot of arguments are should be favored. But then you look at the Rangers and you're like, what are they bad at? What are the Devils going to be able to take advantage of? Um, This is like one of the most talented teams in the league uh, if you look at who they have on their roster and the stats just back up they're like a really all-around great team so I don't know who I'm going for in this. I mean, if you wanted to go home ice, you, you'd lean Devils in that, and I don't know what the what the betting. I I would imagine the betting markets are pro Rangers, and I kind
0: of feel. you also that. you've also I think that you wrote about this particularly in the in the piece of five thirty eight, where you're just like you know like there's a big difference between what some of the gambling sites think about this matchup and what you think about, and what like the 538 models think about this matchup that you have kind of underestimated compared to them or they have overestimated compared to you the chances of the of the devils
1: yeah and you know what as i'm looking up uh, i just went to Fanduel and looked at the series odds and they have the devils favored um and some uh, you know some of that is probably due to the home ice advantage but yeah i think they're just sort of looking at the firepower on that team and uh thinking that it's going to be tough for the Rangers to kind of uh, tamp it down. But man, I I don't know. It's it's a shame that one of these two teams has to lose. Like I said, I'm kind of in my gut-leaning Rangers, but I understand why you would pick the Devils in the series.
0: I would also argue that perhaps the home field or home ice advantage might be mitigated by the fact that it's pretty obvious that these teams are going to travel well, that these fan bases are going to be able to make the schlep to, to, to potentially dominate the other team's arena. So...
1: Yeah, like, uh, you know, that path train is really the MVP of this series. <laughs> it's the X Factor, I think. Yeah, but uh, either um, way, yeah. Well, so. how are you feel? You are a Ranger fan. Or yeah. How are you feeling about this series?
0: I think that this will be important. I think that it'll be very, like, listen, like, if we can't win this one, then I don't think that there's a lot of evidence that we'd have the capacity to go deep either way. This seems like, you know, like, they're not an overwhelming opponent. They're an equal opponent, and you've got to get some of those wins in. Um, so I think that like, I don't know. I think that it'll be instructive. I think that I hope it's like close. I hope it's I hope obviously that we come out ahead. I think that I have been, I obviously find you a pretty credible analyst. And I think that your, your, your models have, have given me a little bit of confidence when it comes to that maybe the devils aren't what their record necessarily says that they are. And so I, I, but that here's that being said, like, I'm, I'm just going to try to enjoy it. You know, I think that last year was very exciting. I think that the moves this year have been remarkable. I think that the future of both of the franchises is great. It's wild that both of them have to go against each other so quickly, but I don't know. I think it's going to be compelling.
1: Like, Yeah, I it's going to be a good ride I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's sort of the opening salvo in a rivalry that you could see happening over and over again totally. for the next, like, 10 years, which is really similar to how things played out in, like, the 90s. You had, like, yep. that rivalry with the, you know, the, the first iteration of it, so it's nice to see it be back. And for the record, I think, you know, the model... Uh, the ELO model, the 538 model has been down on the devils just because it is skeptical of how quickly a team can, you know, improve and show itself to be truly elite. Uh, like I said, you know, if you only looked at this season, you would not have a question about the devils being an elite team third and goal differential. And they've been kind of wire to wire, just really one of the best teams in the league. However, The ELO model knows that the Devils were not a powerhouse before this year. And, you know, it doesn't know that they're super young. So I think that that could be something where you would maybe give them more of a benefit of the doubt. But I do think it's this, you know, conundrum between like, how much uh, do you give weight to the prior perception of a team versus the, uh, what you've seen from them, even over the course of a whole season, because hockey is just super random, Uh, you know? And so uh, it takes a lot of games to prove that you're really have, have changed and that you're better than, than you were. I think the devils have done that. So that's why I'm sort of like, "Uh, I'm really on the fence about this matchup. So I think uh, it's, it's probably going to be the best matchup uh, of the first round. Now the other candidate for that, uh, just to transition to the next series is we get the Leafs and the Lightning again, And this is why people have criticized the division-based playoff seating system in uh, the NHL, is like because of the way that the divisions are so important to setting up the first round of the playoffs, and because of the nature of these two teams, and then being in that same division with Boston, you're just going to end up with Toronto and Tampa Bay being on this collision course. It feels like every year, uh, and and certainly they played um, last year. And, you know, they didn't play the year before, but I think you know, they were – maybe there was some situation where we're thinking that they might have. Like it feels like they played like every year in a row, but certainly they played last year. They played seven games. And, you know, because it was a first-round series that went seven games, the Leafs did lose. Um <laughs> And so now, you know, the Leafs, man, if they can't get it done in this series. The because,
0: damage done to Canada will be unfathomable.
1: I know. I know. And, you know, this is this – is, we've been saying this, like, it's their chance. It's their time. This is – you know, they better take advantage of this. But really, 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 they better take advantage of this one because Tampa is, at least during the regular season – you know, we don't know what they're going to uh, – if they're going to just, you know, they've been sandbagging it and coasting and load managing, I guess what we call it now, uh, <laughs> for the playoffs. But certainly on paper, they are not the same Lightning team. They're oh. not bad. But, but they're – But I'm not scared
0: know, shitless of them. Like, that's certainly right. true.
1: Well, so they, they have gone down from – you know, they they outscored opponents by 0.66 goals per game last year. Uh, which was roughly where they had been the previous three years. And in those three years, they went to the Stanley Cup final each year. They won two cups. That's kind of the level that they had been playing at during the regular season. This year, they only outscored opponents by 0.35 goals per game, which is still, like, good. You know, I'm not trying to, like knock that that's better than a lot of teams in the playoffs uh, you know but but not better than the top teams in the playoffs and I think that's the difference is if you just looked at the Leafs their goal differential relative to average was double that of the Lightning literally double uh, during the regular season so yes and you and you have home ice advantage like there is not much of an excuse unless you put a lot of weight on like okay the Lightning have you know this playoff pedigree of going deep, and they deserve the benefit of the doubt because they haven't lost any sooner than the Stanley Cup final in like four years. That you know we we give them the benefit of the doubt in this series, but you know I don't know how much I buy that. And the for what it's worth, the, the Leafs are favored in the really? betting markets, and I wow. and I think that that definitely sets them ways... up for not
0: heartbreak. That's what that's really <laughs> important.
1: Yeah, you re- you really want to hear Leafs and favorites and uh, round one, and round four. one, home ice advantage <laughs> in game seven, all these oh, things. God. Eventually, they have to win one of those. I mean, like just based on the law of large numbers, <laughs> we've said this before, they, they eventually have to win one of these uh, do or die games. And if not this year, I don't I don't know when it would happen. So I'm cautiously picking the Leafs in that. But what do you think of this Eastern Conference situation? Like, what's your, uh, the series that you're sort of, aside from the Rangers and Devils, that you're sort of most excited about seeing?
0: Uh, I want to see how Boston does in, like, I think that, like, there'll be an interesting matchup to see just if they, like, thoroughly stomp or if they can, like, you know, if playoffs have a different energy. Because obviously, you know, tabula, tabula Rasa, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that, you know, We'll get to this later in the episode, but like you do have to basically keep one eye on Boston for the entire duration of the playoffs. Is is the way that I'm reading this, and so uh, I think it'd be reckless not to. <laughs> oh, for sure,
1: yeah. Um, especially since they are just such an overwhelming presence, you know that def- that has defined this whole season. So, you know, I'm I'm just curious as to whether like we've been in a time in which we've seen favorites do pretty well like uncommonly well in the playoffs over the past few years like culminating in that ridiculous like avalanche versus lightning like basically the two best teams in the league on this collision course in the final last year but uh, you know you don't have to go back that far to find the lightning getting swept by the freaking blue jackets in the (laughs) first round of the playoffs after setting the you know tying the record for wins in a season so like hockey still has that chaotic element to it that maybe we're like, it's easy to kind of take for granted now that like oh yeah the best teams they're they're gonna they're gonna win and, and be there at the end but like we don't know we've seen you know yeah. the sport that we've seen what the sport can do before so it's you want to move on yeah four of oh, four of seven you know like... yes any given like Monday through sun, uh, <laughs> Sunday but like it, it two you weeks know, <laughs> it involves. Yeah, f- uh, at least four games, possibly seven games. Uh, so let's let's move on to the Western Conference, which I think is a lot more like uncertain, mm-hmm. uh, unless we just think the Bruins are going to succumb to a curse. Uh, then, you know, you do have to look at the West and, and think that it is a lot more just un- uh, uncertain is the great word for it. So first of all, we're looking at the Golden Knights, who are just like a very weird number one seed in a conference. Uh, if you look at the rest of their stats, they they don't scream number one seed to you, but they have 111 points and uh, Edmonton has 109. Colorado could get to 109. They're the only Western conference. In fact, they may be the only playoff team as of recording uh, right now uh, at all that still has a game left in the season. So they could get to one Oh nine, but that would not surpass um, the the golden Knights. So that means the golden Knights are locked in to play the Winnipeg jets in the first round. And uh, the jets, you know, they did not have the season that uh, would, would scream to you Stanley cup contender. They're another one of those like Islander uh type of teams that like doesn't have a great offense, Good defensive team, but they only had 95 points, and uh, that that was the third lowest among any team in the playoff field behind only, uh, ahead of only Florida and the Islanders. Um, so I don't know how much to expect from them in that series, but then Vegas, one of the things that Terrence and I noted about them is like, you know, they're solid all around, but they don't. So they're not bad at anything necessarily, but they're also not really good at anything. And I think as we get deeper into the playoffs, they would be a very weird team to make a deep playoff run simply because none of the players on their team had like a really standout season. We've talked about goals above replacement before. And generally like the best player on a really good team would have like 20 goals above replacement but you don't often see a stanley cup contender where the best player had fewer than 15 which is what the uh the knights are looking at right now and the stat that i thought was really wild in that regard is that no team since the 1967 toronto maple leafs has won the cup After a regular season where their best player had fewer than 15 goals above replacement. So that tells you like this is a deep team and they have a lot of different contributors, but there's not like a tremendous amount of star performance happening. There's star power in the sense you've heard of some of these guys like Jack Eichel is on that team, Phil Kessel, uh, Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo, but they didn't really play like their reputation this season. And that's weird for a number one seed. It's just like, they are a very weird team to me, but I do not see them losing in the first round um against Winnipeg. It seems they
0: seem vulnerable though. I'll get to that.
1: Yeah. They're a vulnerable number one seed, especially when you think about how dangerous some of the other teams we're about to talk about are in the West.
0: Um let's talk about uh can we talk about the stars because you've been high on them i think all year they like i was looking at them before just as i was trying to do a little prep to size up for because i watched the west less than i watched the east obviously um they have had a lot of overtime losses that it just seems like they're having difficulty closing the deal sometimes Yes, that is true. And I think that was something
1: that we talked about in the past was in games decided by one goal, they've only won 39% of those games. But in games decided by three or more goals, which I would argue is actually much more indicative of how good you are as a team, less you know, luck based, they won 76% of those games. Only the Bruins who won 86% of those games had a better winning percentage in games decided by three or more goals. That is the premise of the stars as being like a sneaky, dangerous team Uh in the, in the playoffs. Now we don't know if they're going to be the number two seed because again, the avalanche have a game left and they could, uh, they even if so, they're ahead on regulation or overtime wins relative to the stars. So even if they lose in overtime in their final game of the season, they could piggyback the stars to be the number one uh, team in the central and therefore the number two seed in the West. This is getting into like, uh, you know, uh, that that gif of the lady with like the chalkboard with like all the equations on it and everything. But uh, let's assume, you know, we can mentally issue a correction to the listeners if this ends up not being true and the avalanche become the the team in the that top slot in the central but let's say for the sake of argument at the time of recording on friday afternoon the stars are the top seed in the central so they would play the uh, the kraken who would be the top wild card team and that to me is an interesting matchup because you know the kraken are a solid team we've talked about them before as being uh, ahead of like they were behind schedule last year. If you compare them to a team like the Knights and their expansion year, but I think it's fair to say now the Kraken are ahead of schedule because they made this quantum leap in their performance. And, you know, they're an exciting team. They're a high scoring team, which is uh, perhaps not what we saw out of them last year uh, <laughs> as a team. And, and, you know, they do enough to get by at the other end of the ice. So, I'm really interested to see them in the playoffs and how they respond to that in their really first test. Uh, and especially since when Vegas came out and they were really good in their early years, they were a really good home team. But Seattle uh-huh. has been. They have to be the worst home team of any playoff team. Yes, they are. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. They won only 48.8% of their games at home, but they won 63.4% of their games on the road, which you're actually going to play a kind of road-like atmosphere right away if you're kind of thrown in as the lower seed in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe that bodes well for them uh, to potentially pull off the upset. I I do think the Stars are the better team, and the Stars are also one of those well-rounded teams. It put them in the category of the Rangers. They were the only team. Uh, they were one of only three teams: the Bruins and the Devils. So throw them in as well. Uh, were the only other teams that were at least a third of a goal per game better than average on both offense and defense, uh, and Dallas. Just intrigues me as a potential team, but then they get they get this Kraken team in the first round, and I don't know necessarily uh, what what's going to happen and again, things could change and they may not actually really even face Seattle, but right now we're kind of looking at that as the first round matchup. I'm certainly you know shading toward Dallas in that matchup, but it's going to be a good one, I think.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been yeah. Uh, it's been cool. Uh, so what else we got at West? Two more two more series, right?
1: Yeah. So right now, if Colorado doesn't, um, uh, well, actually, let's talk about Edmonton versus the Kings first, because that's that's uh, set
0: that's set in stone. That yeah. is set in
1: stone for sure. Yeah. And and that one, talk about Edmonton. That team finished second in the league in goal differential per game, uh, which I don't think anybody would have predicted going into the season. I mean, Edmonton was a good team. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year. They didn't put up much of a fight against the Avalanche, but they had a really great season. And Connor McDavid was ridiculous. I believe he became the first player to put up 150 or more points in a season since Mario Lemieux in 1996, which is like, you're talking about really impressive statistical territory. They also had three guys crack a hundred points on their team because uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan, Nug- Ryan Nugent Hopkins did it as well. So this is a very elite, offensively star powered team that, you know, has maybe some questions on defense and uh, you, you you may wonder what will happen to them if they don't get to play on the power play as much because Edmonton had literally the most effective power play in terms of converting their chances into goals in the history of hockey this season. They scored on 32.4% of their power plays, which was the best um, in NHL history, but the Kings are a really good team, and and they're another team that sort of rebuilt on the fly. Maybe uh, did a better job of it even than the Islanders, but similar uh, vein to to the Islanders, where it's a team that maybe people thought their time had passed. They come back in and they uh, turn themselves into a really good team, and they're another offensively favored team. So that's maybe what makes me think that the Oilers won't have as much of a problem with them. Like I would be more concerned if it was like a gritty kind of grinded out defensive team going up against Edmonton and possibly short circuiting their offense. And then they wouldn't have as much to fall back on, but the Kings are almost like a light version of what the, what the Oilers have already done. So I I think the Oilers are going to win that series, Uh, but I think it's going to be really fun to watch that's going to be one of the more fun to watch like you know just back and forth type of series in the first round
0: yeah that sounds fun again it seems like it's a it's a pretty good first round so far i'm not hearing like a lot of duds i'm not hearing like a lot of these series are going to be like very very interesting even for folks who maybe don't Roof for those teams. Yeah,
1: honestly, uh, you know, aside from maybe like I didn't have a whole lot to say about Carolina versus the Islanders um, and and uh, not a tremendous amount to say about Vegas versus the Jets, but the rest seem like they're going to be really interesting. We got the avalanche and the wild uh, as things stand now. Again, maybe the stars would flip with the avalanche in this one, but um, right now uh, the avs and wild I like the Avalanche in – I mean, I've been on the Avalanche bandwagon for for a long time, uh, and, you know, they won the Stanley Cup last year. But I like seeing the transformation of this team to kind of battle through the adversity of all of the injuries that they faced during the season, uh, where at one point they had used, like, 40-some-odd players, uh, you know, by, like, New Year's. It was a what? crazy stat. Oh. Yeah, like, you know, you only carry – Like, what is it, 20 players on your roster for any given game uh, or whatever, you know, plus scratches. So maybe like 22, 23 players. But they had so many injured players that they had to call up like 10 or some odd random guys uh, or or more, you know, 15 random guys up to their team uh, at different times. They seem healthier now, although we don't know. Kale McCarr, uh, I think, has um, he's battling a lower body injury, but he should be okay for the playoffs. But then they received the news that Gabe Landeskog, who's the captain of the team and was one of their better players in the playoffs last year, he hasn't played all season and he won't play all season. They ruled him out for the playoffs, so they're missing their captain. Uh, that doesn't seem great for for a team, uh, especially when trying to defend the the Stanley Cup. But at the same time, they're still a really good team. You know, they're still the Avalanche. They still, especially if Kale McCarr is healthy, they still have the pieces to be able to make a deep playoff run. Even if they're not as deep, they're not as good as they were a year ago. That'll come up later in the playoffs uh, if they can make it that far. And as far as the Wild go... They're kind of a weird team. I was sort of disappointed with their offense this year because they have so many pl- like name brand uh, players like Kirill Kaprizov, Kirill the Thrill, guys like that. They didn't score that much this season. And that, uh, I think, speaks to, you know, just maybe where the strengths of this team lie is, is more on their defense and their goaltending How far can that get them? I don't know. But um, I would definitely pick the Avalanche in that series. And I think the Avalanche are better than maybe their overall full season point total gives them credit for just based on all the injuries. But some of the injuries are going to be an ongoing problem for them going deeper into the playoffs.
0: Would they be be your pick for a team that, could go further than they're expected to or or is there another team that you would say that you you, you think could be kind of a surprise? I mean, honestly, with the Avalanche,
1: I, they might be a pick for a team that you could see them losing just because of the shorthandedness um, that they have uh, and and the, the lack of depth. In terms of teams that might surprise and go deeper, uh, I do like I don't know if we would call them a surprise. Maybe if they slipped into that second spot, the stars, you know, I like them. I like Edmonton, I think, um, as the number two team in goal differential. And then if we're comparing to the 538 model, definitely the Devils would be the team that I would pick to go further. And in some ways, like, it feels like picking the Leafs to do any kind of damage would first of all, you got the Bruins, uh, you know, uh, sitting there. So how far can a team really go? Um, but then also we're talking about the legacy of the, the failures for the Maple Leafs, make them almost like a sexy underdog pick, which you would never say about a team that like has all this crazy star power and, you know, high payroll. And uh, you know, they're the most, famous team in the most hockey obsessed country in the, in the, you know, the hub of, of financial and uh, media activity in that country, not necessarily who you would expect to be considered an underdog, but at the same time uh, just by sheer nature of their failures and the fact that they would have to go through the Bruins in the second round, that to me is like a big one for Toronto, but like, I don't know, maybe they could do
0: it. We yeah. don't know. Let's keep it's, hyping up the stakes. Hype yeah. them up higher. Hype them as high as we can go. There's nothing that could happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I But I could easily see Edmonton at least, especially given what we said about Vegas being like a confusing tops, top seed in, in their division. Uh, or really in the whole conference that you could see Edmonton beating LA in the first round and then Vegas moving on past Winnipeg. And then I think Edmonton should be favored, honestly, even though they wouldn't have home ice in that series, just based on the the stats uh, and the performances uh, of the teams this season, you could see Edmonton being favored in that and then winning that. And then who knows, like Colorado, we said, banged up Dallas dangerous, but you know, a Dallas-Edmonton Western Conference final, that could be really fun uh, and interesting. So I think that that has the potential to see a team sort of, you know, make their way through some new teams some some different teams. Now we should say Dallas did go to the Stanley Cup final in uh, in the bubble year of 2020, but that felt like a very different Stars team than the one that, that they have right now. And frankly, a worse Stars team. Uh, so, it, it, you know, that's the irony with hockey is you can have – almost like the best versions of your franchise can like not go anywhere. And then the worst version or not worst, but like but. very mid versions of your franchise can just suddenly like, Hey, their goalie gets hot or their offense gets hot in the case of Dallas that year. And they rattle off a bunch of series wins and go to the finals. Who knows? It's weird. The Canadians were in the finals two years ago and they stink.
0: <laughs> uh, I think that this is an interesting point. Cause I want to ask kind of the converse of what we talk about. We talk a lot of playoff teams. Uh, an interesting thing about the playoffs is that while many teams make the playoffs, lots of other teams do not make the playoffs. And yeah, that is week, a clear thing fun- about
1: the, the league.
0: So we are saying goodbye to a number of organizations for the foreseeable future, um, at least until opening day next year. I'll just put it to you, which one of the teams that is not going to the dance this year uh, at least has your attention for next year? Well, I think the Buffalo Sabres are
1: the team that probably most people are going to think can kind of continue to make the leap because they were in playoff positioning at different times this season. It just didn't come together for them. But we talked about Tate Thompson making this step forward as like a superstar. Uh, So now they have this building block, and he's not the only guy on their team. So I think that Buffalo team is one that uh, people are going to have their eye on. They were the youngest team in the league, this season if you wait by goals above replacement um other ones that uh, you know i'll miss going for it it's weird to not see pittsburgh there but i don't know that i'm looking for them to do anything next year either because this i don't know they're probably going to be on the downside um as a franchise they're very old and i don't know how many more great years sid the kid has left in him or evgeny malkin or any of those guys um Ottawa was a team that I think people thought would have a great year, make the playoffs. Uh, They didn't do that, but they're another young team. Detroit, maybe in that same conversation. Be curious to see which of those two teams makes it back, um, kind of Buffalo-like in that regard. Calgary on the Western side, really weird that they didn't make the playoffs. They had a lot of expectations after that uh, series of trades that didn't really work out for them all that well. But they were the number one possession team in the league if you look at five on five Corsi with the score close. It did not, they were like terrible finishing team, terrible uh, you know, just in terms of converting all that possession to actually winning hockey. But you could maybe make the case that based on that stat, if they make the right moves over the offseason, they could bounce back pretty quickly because they still have talent. They just got undone by crappy goaltending and just kind of, you know, bad luck in terms of their, um, their finishing goals uh, and and shots around the net. So that, I think those are the teams that I kind of have my eye on um, going into next year. I mean, there's a ton of like tanking teams that maybe they can make some moves and flip things around uh, quickly, but you never know what's going to happen. Like, do I really think the Arizona Coyotes are going to do anything next year? Not really. Uh, Maybe who knows. Whoever gets uh, Connor Bedard, that's going to be um, interesting in terms of the the draft uh, situation. Anaheim has the worst record in the league, and they were absolutely awful. Truly one of the worst defenses. I did a thing about this. Um, they allowed the most shots per game. I'm sure it's still true. Of any team in NHL history, and it was not even remotely close, they subjected poor John Gibson, their goalie, to like he faced like 40 or more shots per game like every single night and the league average is i don't i want to say like 30 or something it's 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 just absurd how many um how many shots their defense allowed if they can fix that league average is 31.2 uh and uh Anaheim allowed 39.1 So just to give you a little sense of exactly how horrible their defense was. And the next – oh, this is a great stat. The next worst defense in terms of shots allowed per game – remember, Anaheim's at 39.1. The next worst was Columbus at 35.4. So they were almost four shots per game worse than the next best – next worst defense uh, in the league. So, like – Maybe if you get Connor Bedard, maybe tighten up that defense. The the building blocks are there for them to turn it around. But man, what an atrocious performance by the Ducks this year!
0: Yeah, it uh, the Ducks of Anaheim are a fascinating team for me. I, I had to read up on their history for a, a forthcoming project that people made. Oh, really? About. How they yeah. were named after a movie? How they owned were by Disney? How they were kind of um, how let's say that the Walt Disney Company made fifty dollars fifty million dollars from a movie, uh, and then they then immediately after bought a franchise named named it after that movie for fifty million dollars. Um, like, um, yeah, hey, it was a, it was a net break even. Um, yeah, I mean it kind of was, and well, honestly, the home video rental market was bananas for the movie in question. I mean, there, there will be there will be an announcement sooner rather than later that, that get to how people can hear more about this exciting story. Nice. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, they're a wild organization that exists just as like kind of a, a direct effect of like, you know, eyeballs and merch. How do we get more eyeballs and merch? Like, we need the eyeballs, but we also need the merch. The eyeballs are the ones who pick out the merch. <laughs> like,
1: um, but yeah, that so- was all Michael Eisner. I mean, you know, you can you can point to uh, disasters that happened for him in Orange County. Perhaps yeah. uh, Disney's California Adventure comes to mind, but at the same time. I liked the Mighty Ducks. They had cool yeah. uniforms. Obviously, classic uh, movie bit that they're based on. But the 90s Ducks, we should do deep dives at some point during the offseason hey, like we always say we will. You know it's just bad news bears on ice, right? <laughs> Bad News Bears is a great movie I regret nothing about what I said uh, although they really needed like the Kelly Leak like you know kid in the uh, riding a motorcycle smoking at like age 10 wearing the leather jacket they had a little bit of that with like the kid that could shoot really hard or who's like the goon or whatever on the team but really not enough children smoking in that no. movie I feel like or, or recklessly riding motorcycles at a, at too young an age Yeah, for my let, me, taste. let me just
0: type up a letter to the Walt Disney company being like please show children's smoking in more of your films
1: (laughs) yeah i don't think that's gonna fly nowadays especially uh with with their decision making but um yeah i was gonna say we should do a deep dive on i think the 90s anaheim mighty ducks were like one of the sneaky iconic hockey teams in history that never won jack shit uh because they had Timo solani they had paul korea they had the wonderfully named guy a bear which if you did not know he was french you might have called him guy hebert uh, but that team had a lot of, uh, charm to it. And I think as, as a nineties child that was just getting into hockey, knew about the movies, of course, loved the movies and was just thinking like, okay, well automatically this team named after the, uh, the team from the movie is going to be awesome. Right. And it's like, Eh, Not so much. I mean, they were they were like good, but not great. They couldn't get over the hump. uh, And really, it was only until probably they were 10 years of existence in the league that they went to the Stanley Cup final and they didn't really have a lot of the same players that they had at the very beginning. But they still did have Paul Correa and he rallied back from an arguably dirty hit uh, by Scott Stevens, concussion, came back, score a game, scored a game winning goal against the Devils in the finals. That was a classic finals, went seven games, and uh, unfortunately the Ducks came up short. But they would get their one uh, a couple of years later. Unfortunately, after renaming themselves just like the Anaheim Ducks, and they dropped yeah. the classic jerseys, they dropped the Mighty. That's lame.
0: I don't like I that. Don't, it must have been like a licensing thing. I also think it's stupid because why would you call yourselves Ducks if you were not the Mighty? Like The whole point of the, the team is that the team's name is stupid. Like Right, but you lean into that anyway um, so that's what I got uh, that's that's uh, a that, that's the playoff picture everybody that's that's all we got that's that's that, uh, those uh, are our playoff takes but I'm excited
1: like you said I think the big one of the big takeaways is there aren't that many dud matchups in this first round and really speaks to how deep the field of teams are that could potentially win the cup and yes the elephant uh, the elephant in the room is the Boston Bruins. And their whatever. What does what the five thirty-eight mile have a thirty-seven percent chance to win the cup?
0: That Ridiculous.
1: is that is excessive. I'm just yeah. going to say that out, out loud. That is an yeah. excessive percentage. I'm not saying it's not justified based on how they played and and certainly their their favorites in in Vegas and you know kind of one of the Time more stamp heavy it,
0: fifty-one minutes forty-eight seconds. You called it as excessive. All right, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll be back in a few weeks. <laughs> that is true. So we'll see how that
1: plays out because, yeah, they do. I mean, even in Vegas, like they're plus 370 to win the Stanley Cup. The next best team is Colorado at plus 700. So this is not just, you know, the stat models that say it's like they're heavy favorites. There's no getting around that. But, um, you know, we'll we'll get a nice little experiment in how reliable a heavy favorite in the sport of hockey can actually be.
0: There you go. All right. Neil, you can be found at your Substack, neilpain.substack.com. Uh, yes. 538 obviously can be found at www.github.com slash neilpain538.com, which Correct. will forward to the, the promos. And I'm Walter, and I can be found on the internet. Goodbye. <laughs>